Hi everyone and welcome back to the Purposeful Provision podcast. We're still talking about storytelling, it's our theme for August. I am lucky to be joined today by Ruth Mottram from Fenny's and she's going to be talking about storytelling with me today. So welcome Ruth, hello. Hi James, how are you? I'm not bad, thank you. Yeah, still sweltering in the heat, but yeah, managing to sort of cope. (laughs) Um, So Ruth, can you just tell everyone who's listening a little bit about yourself? What's your role and what do you do day to day? Yeah, sure. Um, So I, as you say, work for Fenny's, which is um, a nursery chain. And I am the education advisor for that company. And I love it. And I get to, um, the joy of my job really is that I get to go and travel around all the nurseries meet the practitioners, work with them, work with the managers as well on um, things that they think they need some help with in their nursery. So, um, yeah, so I'm doing a bit of everything, really. I I also help with a little bit of training and marketing. So it's quite a it's quite a varied role, but it's very much still with the children, which is what I really love. (laughs) Lovely, lovely. And um, I think we could tell people how we first met, because um, I tell people a lot, you know, Ruth, about when I was invited to London to do some training and how I didn't blink on my drive. It's quite an infamous trip now with people. (laughs) And um, we met each other at that loose parts training, didn't we? We did. We did indeed. It was really good. And I think that was at the start of my journey learning about loose parts. So it was really great to meet you and find out more about it. So it was good. Yeah. And it's been lovely to stay in touch with you as well, because obviously you do a lot of things on social media as well. And we've kept in contact. So it's been really, it's been a really lovely relationship. It's been fab. Um, Okay, so I've been asking everyone the same question, Ruth. I'm asking people, what is storytelling to them? So um, what is storytelling to you? I just feel that storytelling is a magical moment, especially when you work with children, of you sitting with them, either telling a story without a book or reading a story to them. But putting all that intonation in, putting all those, I'm, I'm one of those people, I used to do drama, so um, um, I love doing all the voices and getting the children interacting with the stories, maybe using props or maybe dressing up. And I just love the fact that you take the children on that journey with you. You take them to another place, to another time. You you step into somebody else's shoes. Um, you've got that whole element of what's going to happen next. Is it going to have a happy ending? Is it going to be a sad ending? And what adventures are you going to go on? And just for that 10 minutes or whatever, however long you're telling that story, you're just bringing those children along with you. And I just I, that's one of my favorite things. Lovely. Um, before we talk about your strategy, though, Ruth, I just I, I realise obviously you work with quite a, a big group of nurseries, don't you? And one of the common things that people have said to me as they've been talking on the podcast has been about how some of their children um, respond differently, whether that's because of COVID or perhaps it's based on practitioner expectations. In terms of storytelling across all your settings, do you feel that all the children respond in the same way or do you notice that some children perhaps don't respond in quite the way you expect or perhaps some children are really into stories and kind of shock you? Do, do you see that sort of um, sort of uh, difference between your different nurseries? Um, that's a difficult question. I think what we've seen is that... Um... Yeah, I think you're right. I think the pandemic has obviously changed things. But I think children um, are really willing to come and listen to a story. I think they, a lot of the children that I'm noticing, like the traditional, the sort of Julia Donaldson's, or the ones that they sort of familiarise with. You, do you know what I mean? Those sort of, the ones that they know really well. Mm. Um, so I think that for me is something that they like hearing the same stories again um, and and reintroducing themselves to those stories maybe. Um on the whole no I think 
you know, I think the children like stories at different times. They like group stories. Some children will just want to come and sit on your lap and have a story. So it's different for different children, isn't it, really? So, Ruth, have you got any strategies that you think you could give us that other leaders or managers could incorporate into their practice with their staff teams? Um, for me, um, when I go around to the different nurseries, I often take a book with me, maybe something that the children might not have seen before, so a, a different book. Um, and I also tell stories as well. And I try to get one of the practitioners over and sit with the children or be nearby. And I, I do a lot of role modelling. So if I'm telling a story, like, for instance, if I'm telling a traditional tale, like the three belly goats gruff, I'll do all the voices, do the troll, uh, maybe get some props and things like that, dress up as something, just something fun and show the practitioners that, you know, you, you can do it without being inhibited. You can just have fun with the story. And then sometimes if I read a story again, I'll use props or I'll do different voices so that the practitioners can see me telling a story. I think role modeling storytelling is a really valuable tool. So whenever I go to a setting, I try and find a moment to tell a story or read a story. That's one of the things that I always do. Um, the other thing that really worked really well was last year, um, I rolled out a story sack competition. So that was really good. And that was across all the nurseries. And it was very popular. Lovely. Let's, um, before we move on to the story sack, because that sounds like a really good strategy, let's just um, take a step back to the role modelling. You mentioned about how you go in, you're a big presence, you bring a story, you might do some dressing up and you mentioned drama earlier on. Do you feel that within your within your teams that some staff respond really well to that and some staff pull back a little bit? It's something someone mentioned to me recently how sometimes staff feel a little bit embarrassed almost about being that really big presence within storytelling. Um, have you ever encountered that and have you ever had to support staff to work through that? I must admit, yes, that is a that is, that can be an issue. Um, and I think some people don't want to let go and do and do that, do they? So I think they find that tricky, which is why I often will do, even if I just do voices. So for some staff that might feel a little bit more, a bit a bit shy at sort of doing those stories, I will just say, should we put a different voice in and things like that? So it depends on the practitioner. And I think for some of the people that watch me tell stories, they think oh, okay, I've never thought about telling a story like that. Um, maybe I can do a little bit of that um, and just let themselves go a bit. Um, but I, th I do agree, some staff do find it difficult to, to put different accents in. But what we've also talked to practitioners about is making sure that they, um, that, that they have read the story before. Because you know, sometimes if you pick up a book and you don't know it yourself, it's very hard to tell that story. Yeah. So I would say to practitioners, start with something really familiar like Goldilocks and the Three Bears, start with something like that, a traditional story, and then work up to other stories. Lovely. It's it's a really good point, isn't it? I mean, I remember, I think I've mentioned this a few times to people, but I remember when I first started teaching, I remember I had to pick up a storybook and read it, and I didn't know the story, and it was very difficult for me to sort of build suspense and excitement because I didn't really know where the story was going yeah, to. Yeah. Um, and it's not just the traditional tales, is it? It's some of the new stories because we need to incorporate more um, sort of diverse books in. So it's taking some time, whether that's 
after the children have gone at lunchtime or even if you've got just a quiet moment with the children just sitting and looking through some of the books um, and there's a real value in that isn't there and and obviously you can direct children towards those books if you see an experience that they're having that you think could be backed up really well with a book that you've recently read that's a, a lovely idea okay Ruth so you mentioned about a story sack competition can you start us off by just talking about what a story sack is and then talk about the competition itself yeah sure so a story sack is usually a cloth drawstring bag or a bag with handles that's got a story in it. And then it's got lots of lovely props and things that go with that story that you can use to enhance the story and engage the children more with the story. So at Fenn, we introduced a story sack competition um, and it was across all the 11 nurseries that we had at the time and it got a really good response. So breaking down how we actually um, went about launching the competition, So we have a social media page. So we launched the competition on the social media page, told everyone all about it. We created a little video of me talking about what is a story sack? How do I choose a book? And what other resources could you put in the story sack? And and I had an example that I showed them and talked them through what I'd put in my story sack. Mine was about Oi Frog, which is one of my favorite stories. (laughs) So we talked about that. Then we gave them a month to create their own story sacks. We distributed story sacks. So we went to a famous online retailer to buy some drawstring bags that were plain. Uh, We gave all of those to all the nurseries. So some nurseries have got three rooms, some have got five. Some nurseries have got about, yeah, got about, as I say, five rooms. So what we did was we gave everyone enough story sacks so that all of them had the enough story sacks. Uh, and once we'd launched that, um, we kept on sharing things on social media, showing them other examples of story sacks and talking about what things they could put in them. And then we encouraged them to post their pictures on, showing us once they'd started making them. And it was really exciting because as soon as people from the nursery said, oh, this is our baby room story sack, as soon as they started sharing their story sacks, the momentum really began to build. It was lovely to see. And I think the competitive element came into it as well because all the nurseries were determined to win because we had three prizes that we'd announced. So we were going to do one for babies, one prize for toddlers and one prize for preschool. And it was going to be money to spend on books. So they were all very G'd up and excited about actually um, doing it. Um, and, and, And so then we left it running for about a month. They all saw all the different story sacks that were there. And then we announced the winners again on our social media. Um, and the what the ones that won, we had Oh Dear, we had a Julia Donaldson story, and I think we had Aliens Love Underpants. So we had we had different books, but it was just yeah, it was just lovely to see what they'd done really. I love it. It's it's that's a really good breakdown that will help a lot of people to understand how to um introduce this let me go back to point one so you said you introduced it on social media and you've got like an internal system for social media um because you're quite a big group of nurses that works quite well I suppose some settings they could use just their notice board if they're a single setting couldn't they or they could use whatsapp or something um so that was really lovely I also loved how you said it built momentum once people started to share their story sacks and that's something it's almost a little bit like formal, isn't it? Like a fear of missing out, watching one nursery or one room achieve something, thinking we're behind, we've got to do this, or we've got to catch up to this, or <laughs> our children deserve this. That's a really lovely way of 
of sort of getting people on board. And that element of competition is really healthy as well, isn't it? You know, it's obviously there are prizes involved, the prizes are for the rooms, but it's really lovely to see the, the staff sort of feeding off each other's energy and keeping it going. That that was really good. And I think the thing also, James, was that we had sort of said, when you post things or when you tell us about your story, Zach, tell us why. Why did you choose yeah. that story? And I think uh, uh, the thing, thing that was lovely was that the children's interests came out. Um, you know, there was dinosaur stories. There was bear stories. And it was it was very much linked to the children's interests. So that was lovely. Um, and then they put they also told us what they'd put in there, why they'd put them in there. There were some cross-curricular things, some little number cards, some photographs of real-life animals and things. So it was really lovely that when they posted, we asked them to give us a little bit of background about why they'd chosen the book and why they'd chosen the things that they put in there. Um, and I think also for me, what was lovely was the homemade element. So a lot of the the practitioners from the rooms, they all took an element of the story and created things at home or made it with the children and put it in the sack. So it was very much their own homegrown story sack. That's fantastic. Is there anything you'd like to say before we finish, Ruth? No, I think I just thanks for inviting me on. I've really enjoyed it. Um, and I think storytelling, oh, it's, it's my passion. So um, I'm so glad that you've started this challenge and I hope lots of people um, jump on board because it's great. So thank you for that. No problem with Fab. Thank you for joining us. If people want to reach out to you and contact you, what's the best way to do that? I know you've got a LinkedIn account. Is there any other social media or is, there a, is it best through LinkedIn? What's best for you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. I've also got my um, Early Years Ninja Facebook page, which I, has been going for many years now. Um, and I try to pop as much information on that, maybe some activities. So people can contact me through that. It's Early Years Ninja and that's on Facebook as well. Fab. Thank you very much, Ruth. Have a lovely day.